You're listening to the Freight Hub Podcast with Luis Lopez. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? God, an idiot. Oh, no more Yankee, my Winky. That is wrong. Would you stop flapping that thing? Good morning and happy Monday. Uh, w- welcome again to another Freight Hub uh, podcast. Um, I'm I'm here with a very special guest. I've been on vacation for a week, and I get back to a very uh, very interesting person that we get to uh, have a podcast with today, Christoph Neiman. Anybody that doesn't that doesn't know me and is new to the podcast, my name is Luis Lopez, and I am uh, the founder of Freight Hub, also Truck Hub, the uh, software TMS that connects shippers, dispatchers, and drivers to to one platform. Uh, our special guest today is Christoph Neiman. And Christoph is the Southeast Sea Freight Area Operations Manager for Kunin Nagel. Uh, we've been working with Kunin Nagel for over 10 years. It's a company that's grown in revenue year and over year. Uh, in 2018, uh, Trans Topics has them listed as the number one freight forwarder in volume at uh, 4.7 million uh, TEUs. Um, when it comes down to Kuninago, they're like a complete uh, freight forwarder. They do end-to-end. Um, and I'm going to introduce now Christoph Neiman uh, and, and get a little uh, intro on him. And then we're going to do a discussion on the freight forwarding industry, on what exactly is the prediction for, for, for freight in the upcoming months um, and, and where he sees the market going um, and compare that to where I see the market going on the domestic side. So I'm going to introduce now a good friend of mine, uh, somebody that's uh, you know, really been in the industry a long time and has grown uh, at Kuninago. I've seen it personally. So introduce Christoph Neiman. Yes. Um, thanks, Louis. Thanks for having me. It's, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, my name is Christoph Niemann. I'm working with Kunanaga now my 14th year. I've been working, as you know, here in Miami for five years where we met. I am married. I have one son. I moved recently back to Atlanta, and I'm in charge for the uh, seafood operations in the southeast and overseeing the entire operations for the 10 offices that we have here. Awesome. So just a little bit about Kunanago, uh in, and I've seen Kuninago grow organically over the past five years. As of right now, most uh, freight websites, Journal of Commerce, FreightWave, see Kuninago as the number one volume uh, freight forwarder when it comes down to TEU. So if you can explain to everybody what a TEU is, what is Kuninago's mission statement, and where do you see the market going in the, past, in the next quarter? Um, because on the domestic side, and we work with you guys closely domestically, there's three modes of domestic transport that we're, I would like to discuss with you. You got local last mile, you have full truckload nationwide, and then you have import and export container, container drage. And what I'd like to discuss is those three modes of transport and what exactly you envision being uh, the future of quarter three and quarter four of the uh, – ocean freight import and export market um and if you see the possibility of a freight recession occurring in the next uh quarter or in the next year um so if you could just give me again a little bit of a of a background on what's kuninago's mission statement currently uh where where you guys are and if you can define tu for me okay um a lot of question at once um uh, TU, 20 equivalent units, meaning uh, we measure containers by a 20-foot uh, unit. So we have moved, basically, you could go by and say we moved 4.7 million 
containers, which is not true because you also measure the 40-foot uh, unit of 2TUs. So that, um, that's for the TUs. Our mission statement is pretty much to be an extension of our customers, meaning we want to be part of the business. We want not to be seen as a simple service provider, but we want to provide uh, customer and uh, operational excellence towards the customers and uh, include innovation and uh, improve their business habits on a daily basis. So we see ourselves as an extension to our customers, not necessarily as a supplier. So, so there's an interesting article that I, I saw at the end of last year and, and saw it on Freight Waves uh, the beginning of this year where it says that uh, uh, Kuninago, world's largest ocean freight forwarder, is adding a money-back guarantee in, to offset uh, uh, carbon um, and to basically insure freight now on, on a guarantee. Can you explain a little bit about what you guys are doing with um, that? The product is called Kuninago Pledge. So that... Um, it's a, it's an online quoting tool that you can go in and you get a guaranteed um, delivery window for a shipment, let's say, from uh, Asia, from Shanghai to Miami. So you would get a guaranteed transit time of XYZ days at a, at a rate that is covering as well $100,000 in insurance, uh, cargo claim insurance. And um, if we don't make the uh, stipulated time within what we had agreed to, then we would reimburse the customer the full amount. Well, that's that's really innovative. Uh, there's many factors. Anybody in the freight forwarding business, or even in the domestic business, you, there's a lot of factors when you talk about ocean freight. You you got to deal with the domestic uh, side on on at origin. You have to deal with the st- the steamship lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to deal with customs. You have to deal with the domestic uh, side on the export when it comes in, and and then you have to deal with the final mile. So that's there's a lot of moving parts, and I think that you guys. Um, as a company, you're and, and as an outsider looking in, you guys are a lot about culture. I think you you build culture within your people, um, and and that is a that is a very very big uh, kind of tool that could really change the way people do business with the freight forwarding industry. Because when when you talk about ocean freight now more than ever, uh, people are looking for on time logistics. It's no longer well ocean freight. We don't care about how long it takes. No, we we these. Uh, uh, shippers are care more than ever about these transit times and they care more than ever about how quickly the last mile component's happening. So I, I think that's, that's a very innovative way to kind of uh, change the way the market's trending because I don't think anybody else is doing that. Uh, one thing I want to talk about today is that the trends that we're looking at, at on the domestic side, because domestic transportation kind of goes hand in hand with, with freight forwarding. Right. Just for anybody that that doesn't know, freight forwarders are, tend to be asset light, meaning they they they're just outsourcing all the the domestic components as well as the ocean freight. They don't actually own any services. They're not providing services in house. So you guys rely on trucking companies like ourselves. You guys rely on steep, steamship lines like MSC Maersk in order to connect the your customer with their product end to end, right? So what I've been looking at is that we have now seen a about 15, 20% increase in our internal costs, um, and, and that includes drivers are getting paid more, uh, cost of insurance have gone up, cost of doing business has just in the past two years gone up about 15 to 18% on average, and I, I, you can even argue it's up to 20%. And I've, I've noticed that you know in 2018, October, November, December, we had record months, right? Right. 
And the record months, and I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue this to you now, the record months came from the Terraform. Right. And everybody was concerned, all the importers and shippers were concerned, well, if tariff, the tariff work starts January 1st, we want to import as much as possible. Right. So I want to discuss for a minute, did you guys see volumes increase October, November, December? And have you seen those increases stay for the first and second quarter of 2019? Or have you seen a drop? And then a segue back to me is going to be, well, I'm noticing now second quarter – second quarter of this year, I've, I've seen volumes decrease mm-hmm. and I haven't increased my cost to my customers because our volumes have increased, right? Even though our costs have, have increased, I've been able to sustain kind of the same rate per mile, same rate for local trade, same rate for last mile because our volumes have increased, right? right? So I can, I can put that money into my net, my, my bottom line and, and, and scale because just like you guys, we're all about volume. You know, we, we're, we're not charging, a, a large margin per shipment. We're looking at volume. We need right. volume in order to grow. So what's an interesting dynamic about the industry today where I feel like we're heading into a freight recession is that unemployment is at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. Co- minimum wage, I don't care who, you know what anybody says, minimum wage is $15. Yet the cost of the services haven't gone up, but my cost to provide that service are going up where if the volume decreases, right, it's like the perfect storm for, for, for what I would consider a freight recession and is an identical model to the 2006, 2007 where freight recession happened and then we got into a global recession, which kind of, in my opinion, you see a freight recession before you see a global recession. So I'm going to segue now to you. You tell me, do you agree we saw volumes increase in, in October, November, December? And have those volumes stayed consistent? I mean, we in Kununaga, we have seen volume increases um, pretty much starting in August, not related to the um, tariff wars, but because of the PPEV season. Then you had the tariff wars, um, which were pretty hefty on us in terms of volumes, which is good. You know, we had a lot of business, a lot of uh, things moving, a lot of transloads happening, but a lot of work, you know. Um, And it's been dragging through, I would say, April, yeah, it's been going on, and um, it's not really slowing down to a degree. We see customers slowing down. We see shippers slowing down in Asia as well, but um, the volume is still uh, pretty, pretty hefty on our end. Do I see a recession coming? Mm, I'm not sure. I think it just balances out as it was uh, in, the, in, the, in the past. We have uh, seen a lot of Customers uh, with uh, heavy inventories today sitting there at the warehouses, uh, overflowing warehouses. You see a lot of um, trucks in your business as well sitting outside of a, um, of a warehouse being accumulating uh, retention and pedium just because the warehouses cannot receive any more boxes. So um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to go back to normal and we need to see what's going to happen in the, in the new season from Asia. Okay, so, so what you're saying is is that... Things are just balancing out where we right. we we went from peak season due to the tariff wars, but really in reality, the the revenues going down is just a balance of what was a tariff war that never occurred. Is that is that your statement? Pretty much? right, right. I think I think it's more heavy on the exports today from the U.S. When you look at the commodities that you're moving, when you talk about um, any anything related to agriculture, it's, it's slowing down. Scraps is slowing down. We don't know where to go with our trash, right? It's not our business, but um, th- these are the things that are more hurting, I think, on the export side in the U.S. Gotcha. 
Yeah, and on the domestic side for us, what we've seen is that like the the week of April 1st, which is normally considered like Holy Week, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen a drastic change in the market where it went from a spot market on the domestic side, a spot rate market, mm-hmm. to more now like you got to look at contracts and you got to have relationships because there is spot market rates have gone dra- down dramatically. Um, you know, that's the full truckload model. And that's not the the, the container drage model where, where the difference between I see full truckload and domestic drage imports coming into the United States is that the ports are so outdated. There's such a heavy congestion in the port that right. even though volumes might, might be decreasing, there's such an inefficiencies in these ports that it leads to waiting the same amount of time, even though the volume doesn't really match the idle time inside the port. So like in Port of Miami, and you've been in, in the Miami um, Miami industry for, like you said, five years, you know, we talk about this all the time that, you know, you can't do more. A, a local drayage driver cannot do more than two movements a day because the idle times inside the port are three to four hours on average, day in and day out. And they close, they're, they're open from 8.30, closing at four, and, they, and then they're closed from 12 to one for lunch. So that gives you like a six and a half, eight, seven hour window to actually pr- uh, provide trucking service to the customer. And like, in reality, it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that we've had many times where, you know, if you're looking for same day delivery for a local container dray as you move Miami, Miami, there's no way we can provide you that service by eight thirty nine 9 o'clock in the morning, because the port opens at eight. And if your average idle time is two to three hours, or let's say four on average, right? Mm. The earliest you can uh, uh, get to a customer is between 11 and 12 o'clock midday. Right. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that that, that I wanted to discuss with you also is what do you, what is your opinion of that and how, how could you see that change? <clears throat> because, you know, I'm using Miami because that's what you and I know, but right. it's, it's across the country. There's big inefficiencies in these ports. Um, there was... Massive amounts of volume increases, which makes sense why the ports were so delayed. But why is it that day in and day out, busy port, high volume port, it's still pretty much the same. There's massive waiting times and idle times for these drivers. What do you think the reason is? I mean, uh, there's uh, there's there's a lot of reasons. I don't think you can uh, just purely blame it on the on the, on the ports as well, right? It's um, the expectations that the that the customers are having. They 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 expect you to deliver a container at eight o'clock in the morning on a Monday, which is not possible. Right. Um, and, and the biggest issue in a, that I feel is in the market that there's very little little um, transparency. So, how do you set a uh, expectation straight for a customer without knowing what they actually look at? They don't. They call a port of Miami and they get an answer that it takes twenty minutes to outgate a container, which is obviously not happening. So um, there, there needs to be a change of uh, transparency in the market when it comes to our ports. How long is it really the turnaround time when it comes to truckers? How long have you been waiting at the port? How long does it take you in traffic? Uh, how long can a driver drive? Um, these things are these things are becoming more important when you talk about transparency, and then you can build off that. But right now, nobody knows really what's going on. Everybody expect uh, everybody to jump, and if you cannot do it at eight o'clock in the morning, somebody will do it at eight o'clock in the morning because they want that business to be managed. Right. So, and, and, and that's a great that's a great segue, which is transparency. And 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 with us, we're trying to do that with technology. So we, we, a couple of years ago, created a TMS platform, not really because we were interested in creating a TMS platform, just because there was nothing in this, in the in industry that would allow us mm. to provide our customers transparency. And like, for example, as of now, you guys have been one of our pilot 
customers that have been using Truck Hub. And what we're trying to do on the last mile container drage and full truckload domestically is give customers a tool that would be an Uber-like experience that would allow them to be able to log in or get automatic emails and be able to see that truck in real time from point A to point B. And I think that that's something that in reality we've you've helped me push the needle on because you and I have always discussed how when it comes down to last mile, when it comes down to domestic visibility, there's very few trucking companies mm-hmm. that are providing that access and providing that visibility. And when it comes down to a trucking company, the reality is everybody does the same service. I'm not competing with a trucking company point A to point B on service. We're all making the same lines. We're all procuring the same drivers. We're all paying the drivers pretty much the same. How do you separate yourself from the rest of the industry when in reality, there is no way to do that with service, right? And for us, that's with tech. And what we're trying to do is provide a platform that gives customers a user experience from start from start to finish. And that user experience is with a map and with a icon of a driver and with KPIs that when the driver accepted the order, when the driver delivered, when the driver was in transit, right? Because at the end of the day, more now than ever, if you want to have a relationship with a company like Kuhn & Nagel, right, which is one of the largest freight forwarders in the world, and the, dat- the data says you guys are the largest freight forward in the world, right, you guys are expecting more than ever for your vendors to be accountable for the services that they're providing. And when it comes down to a rate, right, and a relationship, the rate is one thing. But if you can set yourself apart through technology or through uh, visibility and through transparency, then the rate is not as important as it would be if you were just providing the service from point A to point B. Right. So uh, it comes down to everybody, okay? I mean, you, you try to build transparency between, let's say, a Kuhnenagel, a, a truck hub, uh, the customer, right? So it's all about the data. At the end of the day, you want to look at and you want to analyze the business that you're that you're carrying. So you want to see how much time it takes because when you look at rates, I mean, everybody has pretty much the same rates in the market today, no matter if it's trucking or if it's ocean freight or if it's whatever. Everybody manages the same amount of rates or the same rates as a, as a whole. So where do you where do you where do you make a difference? You make a difference in in, in actually building data and you reduce time. So that's what you do with uh, TruckUp as a um, as a um, tech company now. So it reduces a great amount of time of mine to know where I'm at, what kind of transparency I have. I don't have to call you. I don't have to do spreadsheets. I don't have to do all these crazy things in the background, argue with a customer at the end of the day on why he's been waiting there for two hours. These these things are very difficult to um, to argue nowadays because there's just no transparency it doesn't tell me it doesn't give me a real life data telling me yes that driver has been waiting four hours at a port and and that's the problem it's also waiting time with the customers it's detention it's per diem when when like when was the shipment um, taken over again by the um, supplier when was it given back to the trucker when was it given back to uh, freight forwarder i don't know right it's very difficult yeah, and and for so, those for those that 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 don't know, when you when you talk about container drage, there's right. demerge and per diem, and te- typically most freight forwarders, one mm-hmm. of their largest costs on a yearly basis that they absorb is per diem and demerge charges right. because it's very easy, it's very easy to to have your customer just blame you, and in theory, it's not you, it's it's either your trucker or the steamship line that made a mistake, and now you're in the middle between your customer. 
and the trucker and the steamship line in order to not lose that relationship. Now you have to make a decision. Are you going to cover per diem or demurrage? And for the most part, you have to educate your customer on why they have to pay these charges. Right. But it's uh, it's, it's it's on all ends because the, the industry I think we are in is like nobody trusts the other. Right. I am a freight forwarder doesn't trust the trucker. The trucker doesn't trust the um, the freight forwarder. And then uh, we don't trust the customers and the customers don't trust us. And it's going back and forth. And you talk about podium and demurrage and why is this happening? Even when you talk about a pre-pull, do you have a pre-pull because you want to um, not pay the mergers on behalf of the customer because you try to do good? Um, th- th- these are these are the things that are very difficult to measure. Right, and and for those that don't know a pre-pull, pre-pull is when you pull a container the day before because normally a customer wants an early delivery. Right. Or a lot of times you do a pre-pull because the distance between the port of pickup and the and the address of, of delivery could could reach that ELD mandate. Right. So that's another thing that that's a whole different conversation right. is the ELD mandates. That's completely changed but the I way mean, I mean, truckers the, work. I mean, the point is uh, anything that is additional demerge and detention for sure is one of the highest uh, costs that you can have as a freight forwarder and as a near enough to the customer. So how do you get this under control? And um, we work in Kudunaga with probably 20, 25 people just working on these things. Yeah, and uh, local drayages, um, and um, additional costs. So we manage it on a daily basis, which is in spreadsheets and it's in, in calling truckers and it's all, it's a lot of communication. That's what I'm saying. Right, right. There's zero transparency unless you're going to call somebody and you figure it out. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of uh, time wasted because yeah. I don't make money. I don't make money by invoicing somebody the outlays of the mergers. Absolutely. And you, and you have all these fixed costs on, right. on human beings. But that have to I have uh, two, three, four people just managing a per diem and the merge desk. Right, right, right. And if you don't do that, then you lose control and your cost can be uh, outrageous because right. per diem and demerge is very, very expensive. Right. So so uh, speaking of that, um, when, when it comes down to – if we could go back for a second on the freight recession and where, where I kind of see the market, mm-hmm. you know – Look, in reality, if you're an employee today, you have the advantage. It's very hard to find talent, right? right. I mean, you would say for, for your company, which is all about culture and all about building relationships with your employees, it's hard to find qualified people that are responsible, educated, uh, can buy into your culture. Mm-hmm. And we fight that as a small business. So for us, it's even harder because you, know, you guys are a huge company. You have great benefits. You have a, a million things that you can offer. Small, small business guys like us or you know, mid-sized business like myself, you know, I, it's all for me about the culture. And right. it's all about that experience, uh, giving these young guys the ability to come in here, in here and make an impact. So in regards to employees and how you guys procure, what is it that you're looking for? So if there's somebody watching this on LinkedIn or watching mm-hmm. this on Indeed uh, or, or on all the platforms that we're going to put this on, if, you, if, if I would want to work for your company, what are the biggest things – that you guys look for as a company when you're looking to hire new talent? I mean, uh, when, when, when I personally hire somebody, I, the first two, three seconds are the most important things. It's just somebody, how somebody comes into the room, like how somebody is shaking hands, how somebody is introducing themselves. Um, you, you can feel a certain, um, like, I don't want to say electricity, but you can feel like, okay, that person is, is straightforward and he wants to really... Um, Really work. I'm not necessarily looking at the background of that person. I mean, yes, uh, what have you been doing, and and, and why would you want to work for Kudunaga? Do you know what we do in Kudunaga, and um, how did you find us in Kudunaga? 
Um, and what are your goals? What are your short-term goals, uh, two years, five years, and what are your long-term goals in 10 years? Where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself um, moving up the ladder? Do you see yourself at the desk level for the rest of your life? What, what, what do you want to do in your life? So um, you get a certain vibe, I would say, about a person. You say, okay, that could be somebody. Then we would go to the next step and interview it again with um, my counterparts as well. And we review that. And if we then get all together and we feel we both um, like that person, we would go hire him. Yeah? And it does not really matter if, you, if, you, if you're coming out of college or not of college, whatever, whatever. You, you see a motivated person nowadays, you know. You so would you say, would you say you, you look at like if they went to college or what college they went to or you're more about? No, I mean, we look at, we look at, yes, you went to a college. Yes, cool. That's good. Right. If, you, if, you, if you're coming to me and say like, oh, okay, um, I want to work in freight forwarding because X, Y, Z and you, you convince me that you really want to do it, you, you can go come from high school if you want to. Right. Now, would you say you gravitate towards somebody that has a college experience or would you rather gravitate towards somebody that has freight experience? Like somebody that's been in the industry four or five years working mm. at a counterpart of yours or a competitor of yours, do you take them more seriously? Look, it really it really depends because the our business is still it's still a people's business. Okay. You need to have you have to have a certain character to manage the daily stress and you need to you need to be good with people, you know? We have a in the in the office here in Miami, we have uh, about a hundred people, and we're dealing daily basis with different customers, with truckers, with carriers. With you need to get along with people. You need to be outspoken. If you, so you can tell a person is that person for you, um, rather than you don't need to go to college for that. Gotcha. You know, it's, no, that's 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 it's, a great. It's, it's of of course, it's a benefit. You you have a certain background in business and etc. This is great. I mean, I did that. Um, okay. But if you have that, if you have that energy and you can feel that energy and you, you see that the person is willing to learn and is willing to learn about your business and wants to, um, wants to be part of the company and uh, sees a vision in it, and that's why we ask him what your short, long, or short, mid, and long-term goals. So you get an idea of the person. Okay. And, and if that person is uh, coming out of high school, we can offer still programs um, that we support if they want to go to college. That's awesome because there's for sure people that are probably interested in Kunal and they just don't know how to get in there. Maybe right. they don't feel like they're they're prepared, and I think that answers a lot of questions. I um, think I think if you want to work for Kunal, you need to be um, yeah very good with people. It's all about the customer experience. Um, not like it used to be like uh, maybe ten, fifteen years ago where you were beating everybody by rates, but nowadays it became more and more important that you actually a fantastic uh, customer rep and you you put all your effort in the in the customer experience amazing right. amazing well we're gonna we're gonna end today with a quick note uh just want to get a little profile on you Christoph. Right. um i know you said you're you're married you have a kid right. just if you could just give me a quick rundown of what your hobbies are uh you're living in atlanta now uh just just a quick rundown on what what your hobbies are and uh and then we'll end it today it's it, it, i want to say thank you again I know you're very busy. I know you got a lot of things going on for you to right. take 25 minutes to sp sit with us. So I really appreciate it. So if you just give me a rundown on you and then we'll be done. All right. Um, like I said, I'm married. I have uh, one uh, son who's uh, three and a half years old. I just moved to Atlanta, in Atlanta Decatur. Um, for the past seven months, I'm a passionate uh, soccer player. I have been. Maybe I don't, you don't see it anymore <laughs> because I gained a lot of weight. Uh, but uh, I love to play golf. Um, 
yeah, love to hang out with my family and my friends. And um, I love coming to Miami, go to the beach. Yeah, absolutely. Miami is a great spot. So thanks again for your for, for coming you. out here. I know, I know Monday morning coming out here is tough. Guys, uh, appreciate your time today. And uh, stay tuned for the next Freight Hub podcast. Thanks. Very cool. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Freight Hub podcast with Luis Lopez. If you liked our show, please leave a comment or review. We hope you'll tune in next time.